I would say. All right, let's get to the stuff that's really important. Is Patrick Mahomes a little bit jealous of Travis Kelsey right now? Do you think? Who isn't jealous of Travis right no, now? No, obviously, but like Mahomes is like the guy. And then like I was well, about to do the Mahomes voice. Well, do, you know. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it, uh, it's like Kermit the Frog, right? <laughs> He's got to be a little bit jealous. Like that, no one's paying any attention to him th- this season. Like it's a it's a wrap. It's did, Kelsey's team. Though. Did your wife do the uh, Taylor Swift put Travis Kelsey on the map thing? No. What do you mean? So it's a thing that wives are videoing this. So Robin did it to me in bed the other day, and she's Wait, like, "What's going on?" Listen. So wives are saying. Like, oh my God, Taylor, ready to edit listen, this. Taylor Swift put Travis Kelsey on the map. And I turned to her, I'm like, what? She's like, Taylor Swift. I said, who's telling you this? Where are you getting this from? It's viral. And she, oh, she started cracking God. up because I was like, it was, it was so obvious that she was like acting. I was like, you don't, t- what do you? Did she post you reacting to this? No, she, well, she said it to her, her friend. And then she showed me her friend's video and the husband, same thing. He's like, what are you talking about? Travis Kelsey is already famous. Every husband is reacting the same way. Yeah, yeah. Well, Travis Kelsey was hosted Saturday Night Live last season. Like, he is already he's celebrity. famous. He's a celebrity. And uh, one of the best players in, in the league. But na- like now, I feel like if I'm uh, Patrick Mahomes, I got to – see, he can't get a celebrity girlfriend because he's married. Yeah. So she's going <laughs> She's going to MetLife this weekend. Oh, that's going to be pandemonium. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm awaiting the memes. John, can we um, – can we throw up this video? Okay, that's good. But did you guys see the jump in like jersey sales yeah. and everything? Crazy. Crazy. Sold out his jersey Crazy. everywhere. It's the Taylor Swift effect. Uh, ben, ben had a good tweet. NFL. Ben said something like, if Taylor Swift would just, just endorse target date funds, we would solve the retirement crisis. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> she really, though, is that that uh, powerful. More. Yeah. I was trying to think of like, is there a comp in our lifetimes? And I came up with like Michael Jackson, like in the 80s. Right. Like before. Uh, pro- she's probably bigger than Madonna ever was, would be my guess. But she drives. Like, I feel like was Michael Jackson more than ticket sales? Like were people wearing his gloves I think and ba- stuff? I think Bank of America did this uh, over the summer during the Eras tour. They actually could track upticks in credit card and debit card spending in the cities she was performing. Like all the hotels filled up. She's like an economic. She's an, econo- ev- she's an economy. She's an economic event, like wherever she oh, goes. Oh, but I was asking Ben a couple of weeks ago, like what, like what's her market cap? Like what? if she was publicly traded, what would her market cap be? Like Nvidia. Five billion. She's a Tesla. Yeah. She's Tesla. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, she's not. She's not as controversial as a Tesla. No, she's, she's an the Nvidia. Yeah. All right, did you guys? So Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> unveiled smart glasses yesterday. John, turn this up if we can. Starting in the U.S., you're going to get this state-of-the-art AI that you can interact with hands-free wherever you go. We're going to be issuing a free software update to the glasses that makes them multimodal. So the glasses are going to be able to understand what you're looking at when you ask them questions. So if you want to know what the building is that you're standing in front of, um, or if you want to translate a sign that's in front of you to know what it's saying, um, or if you need help fixing this sad, leaky faucet. Um, you can basically just you talk to Meta AI and look at it, and it'll walk you through it step by step how to do it. Um, we we built in one more feature into these smart glasses. You are going to be able to live stream to your friends oh, and no. followers. No. <laughs> oh, yes. Your no. glasses. Everybody is ready to raise, and I am getting ready to. Let's go. Switching to glasses. 
Being able to share if what you're doing live with your clients. Oh, no way. We'll Can you imagine the, the world is not ready. Instagram. The world is not ready for this. <laughs> smart glasses. So, all right. These Ray-Ban Meta Smart Glasses, we're launching them on October 17th. $8,000. Starting at $299. Not bad. That's it? Really looking forward to seeing what you all think of I'm it. I'm super bullish on this. I think that's pretty sweet. So we should just assume that we're all being surveilled at all times and be paranoid of anyone who wears glasses. Plus, they're the ones wearing the glasses, so they're the only ones not being surveilled. Right. Mm. They're right. They're behind the camera. But the glasses, the glasses look. They're Ray Bans. They're like good-looking right. glasses, and they're going to be functional. I think they're going to be a home run. What I'm is, worried about the creeps out. who would wear this. It, it would be creepy. Oh, no, there's be so many creeps. creeps. So oh, many creeps. That's, yeah, like, yeah. that's yeah. actually the first adopters yeah. or the creeps. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be very very weird getting used to this world. I don't. What is it's this inevitable? Do, what does this do to the Apple glasses thing? Like, does this make them speed up? Or I don't know. They were, I don't know. They're working on them. Whatever happened to that? I don't know. Was it Google Glasses? Who who had the glasses? Do you glasses mean the Google thing? Totally Google. No, yeah. Apple had like the oh, goggles. I, oh, the, oh also, no, that's coming. That looks sick. sick. But that's not this. No, 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 that's not that. Okay. Apple Oops. is like is VR. Yeah. Uh, you gonna wear these things? Can you Probably think of not. Anything you but do during the course of the day that you would need to go live from your glasses that other people would. It's not, see. but it's not just going live. It's it does a lot of other shit too. Um. No, yeah. I'm not going live. I am. I can't wait for the Apple headset. I'm not going to get the first one because it's a fortune. But imagine being on an airplane and like watching an IMAX movie. Yeah. On like a hundred foot screen. Just that is cool. Totally. I'll get the Apple thing before I get the Facebook thing. But that's totally different. That's VR. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Different, different. I was just saying it's like that's where we are now. Is like basically helmets. Yeah. Like this is what's <laughs> this is where we're going. You're going to be able to watch like a game courtside at the Garden on your couch with the headset. Not with yeah. Facebook, with the Apple thing. Eventually. Um, if Mark Zuckerberg wants to sell these things, the most important thing is he has to not personally walk around wearing them. <laughs> like, like that, that would actually deter sales. He has to, like, <laughs> let other people do it. Agreed. And be, in the, and be, like, in the background. So I don't think people want to be Mark Zuckerberg. Or he has to get some famous people that want to be the face of this thing. I mean, he's upped his cool factor lately totally. with the whole Elon yeah. matchup, right? That's yes. like boosted his. That's public true, and he got ripped. Time. He got ripped. It helps. That's true, and he can and he could definitely fight if you watch his videos. Yeah. Like he kind of knows what he's doing, so may, maybe he's cool enough to sell the glasses. You guys are following, <laughs> or at least cooler than Elon. We had a big guest last week. You guys are following a legend. We had Jeremy Grantham in the suit. Yes, right. yeah, no brush. No I, I can't believe we're following Grantham before that or not. Yeah. Wasn't he so sharp? He was so good. People were like, people were like going crazy for that video or that mm -hmm. podcast. Like we got a ton of people. <laughs> we got, what? What did I do? No, some left or something else. Uh, we got a ton of feedback. And like one of the, one of the things that kept coming up was I always thought he was perma bear. I didn't realize that there was like a lot more to the story. And that's like a little bit, that's a little bit like uh, because of social media and traditional media it's easy to la it's easiest to just label people and just be like, oh, this perma bear, and then it's like almost like a shortcut to have to actually explain all the nuance. Yeah. But he um he kind of broke that stereotype a little bit, and uh, I was happy for him. Not this that, show does that. Uh, yeah. Well, we give people more than we give people more than thirty seconds to talk. And You'll, we'll give you your true self. It'll all come out. It's all gonna <laughs> oh, come. Brother. It's all gonna come. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. John, we ready to get the show started. Nicole. Yep. Oh, that was all cold, cold opens? Very cold. Oh, actually, I it actually is cold. I was all nervous all right. about spitting on my gun. What show is it, Nicole? <laughs>
Welcome to The Compound and Friends. All opinions expressed by Josh Brown, Michael Batnick, and their castmates are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Redholtz Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Ridholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Today's episode of The Compound and Friends is brought to you by Wealth.com. Wealth.com is the industry's fastest growing estate planning platform. That's right, Michael. Their technology is unparalleled. They are the only end-to-end estate planning platform for creating legal documents, bringing them to life through crisp visual flowcharts, and helping advisors optimate, pl- optimize plans using AI. AI. Wealth.com is fully dedicated to helping financial advisors deliver on their clients' estate planning needs and can only be accessed through a financial advisor. Mr. Brian Hamburger has joined the strategic advisor. Not bad, not bad. Yeah, we. I met these guys at Future Proof. They won on the demo drop stage, and uh, that was pretty cool. I took a bunch of pictures with them after. Why do you think they won? What was the... Because they were the best in show. All right, that'll do it. All right, thanks to Wealth.com. If you're a financial advisor, check out their platform. It might come in handy. Go to wealth.com slash compound to learn more. 111. 111, ladies and gentlemen. All right. This is a good one. Guys, I'm telling you, you're in for a treat. We have two very smart people who have come here today to tell us what's going on in the markets. We have a returning guest. Perth Toll. Perth is the founder of Life and Liberty Indexes and sponsor of the Freedom 100 EM ETF, the world's first freedom-weighted EM ETF. Prior to the Freedom Index, Perth was an advisor at Fidelity. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. You know, I thought about it this morning. You were one of the first people to do video with us. You don't remember this. Neither do I. In 2018. When we were just, I do remember. Oh, you do remember this. Side yes. by side. Michael does it. No, now side by side. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I well, yeah. I came for what are your thoughts because yeah. I was just in the office randomly. I'm like, yo, you want to do a there. video? You're it like, It was yeah. so much fun. That was pretty cool. Yes. I couldn't get you to do that now. You're too big time now. No. All right. <laughs> Anytime. All right. Uh, also with us today, Gunjan Banerjee. Gunjan is the lead writer for the Wall Street Journal's live markets coverage and a CNBC contributor. Gunjan led the journal's award-winning coverage of meme stock mania. Uh, how did that go for you? Was it fun? It was a blast. That it was, was fun, right? the craziest story I've ever covered. Okay. Uh, it was unbelievable. And your reporting on GameStop went on to be the basis for an Emmy-nominated Netflix documentary, which I have not seen. What is it called again? Eat, Eat the, the Rich. Rich. Okay. All right. <laughs> and prior to the journal, you wrote about distressed debt and munis at DebtWire. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. We're going to have a lot of fun. I got to I gotta do one thing with Perth really quickly. Take your time. When I saw when I saw you when I saw you at Future Proof two weeks ago, so I'm I'm sitting in the tent with uh, Rob Arnott, and both Rob and myself were people who met you really early on yes. in your journey. You basically had a back test <laughs> and an idea, and that's it. Yeah. And, right. I and, wouldn't even say I had much of a back test. Yeah. The oh, the back test was completely false. No, <laughs> no. But you, you were like, look, I have this idea. Yeah. I know it's the right thing to do. I know it's going to be a superior way to invest, and I want to weight all of the countries around the world by how free their society is, and emerging markets 
Right. So, but it was quantitative. It wasn't squishy. And, you know, you took an approach that I think um, most people investing in EM just had never even considered. And, but that's all you had. And Rob met you, I met you, and we were both like, you know, encouraging and, hey, you should do Absolutely. this. and so encouraging. Yeah. So, but we got to see you in a full circle moment. You came backstage. That was a full circle moment. Wasn't, wasn't that cool? Oh, that was I, so I, cool. I was there too. I was there too. Were you there? Mike was there. <laughs> so, so, but I didn't realize it. Are you managing $600 million now? Yes. Is that, wow. is that, oh my God. The fun. Round of applause. The fun is managing. You Round of applause it. for the team. You did it. It's a team. Of, yes, but thank you. You did it. But listen, you were showing up at events carrying your kid in your arms. Like, yeah. <laughs> you were though. You like He's hustled. My kid was like nine. But yeah. Still, you hustled. Like you did this thing that almost nobody could do. And Thank you so much. It's very Dude. to me. It's very inspiring. Michael was there from the beginning too. He was there the, the Thank full you, circle Michael and Thank the first Michael played a role. I, I, when <laughs> I say me, I mean me and Michael. Okay. Like he's an extension of, of me in this example. Okay. I, I didn't mean to completely exclude him. I, I'm not a self self uh, back patty as Josh is, but <laughs> no, I don't want any credit for this. I want you to get credit for no, this. No, but actually, do you know the first time I met you guys in that old office over by MetLife yeah. in the MetLife the building? Sub-lease. I yeah. had just done a, bu- a bunch of meetings in New York, all of them terrible. I show up there like one hour before I had to go to the airport because uh, Barry invited me. It's like, come talk to Josh. And Michael was there. And I was just like, man, that, I don't even care anymore. Like, is there a bathroom? Like, I literally just, remember? <laughs> yeah. And, and Did we then, give you a shot in the arm? Uh, yes. Wait, you guys, hold on. You guys heard... What? Oh, say, say, you say. You guys say, heard say the thing. idea. You loved it. You said, can I be on your board? I don't have it. I didn't have it. I was like, I don't. Sure. I don't have a board. <laughs> like, yeah, you're on I the board. I'll let made, you know when yeah. it's ready. Right. Uh, yeah. But you, you did it. We're so proud of you. That's the most That's the most on-brand Barry thing I've ever heard. What's yeah. that? She's like in touch with Barry. He's like, yeah, come have a meeting with Josh. Yeah. 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 And he's nowhere to be found. Yeah. He does that to exactly. Michael. He, wasn't he does even that to there. Michael once a week. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then and then Josh tweeted, and this is like I have maybe like 300 followers on Twitter or something like that. And Josh tweeted, "Hey, just met Perth. She's awesome." And then I get off the airplane. I have like five times the amount of followers. I was like, "What the heck just happened?" It was I the Josh very, Brown tweet effect. I'm That's very powerful. Back when he was on Twitter. Now I don't he's, do that anymore. Now he's too powerful. All right, uh, Amazon antitrust suit is probably the big story of or one of the big stories of the week. A lot of big stories this week. So. This everyone knew this was coming. Maybe from the, from the moment Joe Biden appointed Lena Khan, this she wrote a paper in 2017, basically announcing her intention to go after Amazon and why the government should curtail their ability to do what they do, which is please consumers. But okay, it's, it's a whole other. Um, I'm sorry. What do you mean everyone knew this was coming? Is that why you bought Amazon stock two weeks ago? You knew this was coming? No, I didn't know the date it was coming, but everyone knew there was an antitrust suit coming. Right. I mean, it's it wasn't it was an it wasn't a secret. It was openly discussed. The timing kind of came out of nowhere this week, but for all intents and purposes, it definitely knocked the stock down. Curious, uh, curious what what your thoughts are, uh, Gunjan. Tell us when you saw both uh, the government suit and seventeen states' attorneys general sign on to it, which I think was surprising. And then you saw the company's reaction. What were your what was your big takeaway? I, I would agree that, that I think a lot of people saw this coming. What was surprising to me was when I was looking at some data on buying activity, there's been a ton of buying activity of Amazon stock this week, especially among retail investors. Yeah, And it continues this trend throughout this year, throughout last year, when tech stocks got crushed, where people 
just don't think these fang stocks can kind of lose their status and, and yeah. they just keep buying every time there's there's dips in fang they're like i just want to buy more amazon i think that's happened this week yeah i i don't think that i don't think that investors are pricing in any scenario like they knock the stock down but i don't think cuz these things go on for years so i i don't feel like anyone like is assigning a dollar value I think the relief maybe is that they're not calling specifically for a breakup, but they could. But it seems like it's a monetary fine. I was say, what's the worst that happens? They pay a fine? $250 million fine. Yeah. And they maybe change two or three things about what uh did you read any of the did you read any of the like the suit itself or I any didn't of read the, the suit itself, but I I I mean my thought on what you just said is anybody can sue for anything here in this country. So it doesn't yes. mean anything's gonna happen out of it. I don't see why it would prevent people from wanting to buy. And I do think it's it's ridiculous that they're suing for Amazon, um, providing a, a value for their clients, providing a value. Well, here's what they're saying. Tell me what you think of this. The case they're making is that Amazon services are so interlocked that if you're a third-party seller on the internet, you literally can't avoid them. Um, Amazon is selling its logistics and shipping services to the third-party seller. Which you have to use. Which you basically yeah. have to use. Okay. And so the Prime, is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the problem with that is, the government is saying the problem with that is that uh, every $2 you're doing in sales, a dollar goes to Amazon. Amazon's answer to that is, well, we tried it the other way. We let third-party sellers handle their own fulfillment, and it was a horrible customer experience because we're just better at it. Uh, I thought this was weird. This is directly from the site. The complaint alleges that Amazon violates the law not because it is big, but because it engages in a course of exclusionary conduct that prevents current competitors from growing and new competitors from emerging. By stifling competition on price, product selection quality, and by preventing its current or future rivals from attracting a critical mass of shoppers and sellers, Amazon ensures that no current or future rival can threaten its dominance. To which Ben Thompson of Stratechery wrote, it's Stratechery? 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 Stratechery. I feel like it's a cut. Yeah, Stratech. Yeah, yeah, probably right. It seems eminently reasonable to me that Amazon predicate inclusion in a program defined by a shipping guarantee on letting Amazon deliver your products. Prime was a massive risk at the time, dwarfed only by the many billions of dollars that Amazon has spent since then building out its logistics network. I see no basis on which a government regulator ought to demand that Amazon give out access to the Prime label and bear the reputation risk for third-party delivery services that did not take those risks or make those investments. It's absurd. So I, I, I'm inclined I, to agree with him. That's a good point. I kind of agree with that. If you have a customer buying something from you and you can control them getting a good outcome, like you should be able to do that. I also thought it was weird where, again, just they said – uh, exclusionary conduct that prevents current competitors from growing and new competitors from emerging. Isn't that sort of what business is? It's not like they're doing it in a way that's harming. Now you could say that they're making it difficult for people to use their platform. Okay, fine. It's their platform. Yeah. They built it. Are we, and, are we saying they don't compete with Walmart and Target? Right. So to right. that point, uh, in terms of how much, if you're considering them a monopoly, so this is from Ben Evans. Amazon has only single digits worth of market share in total retail. If you consider all of e-commerce, they're at 35%. So again, within all of retail, they're, they're single digits. It's not as if they're the only, they're hardly the only game in town. How mad would, uh, how mad would uh, the FTC be if Amazon takes out a new high this year? 
like in the midst of the suit. I feel like part of the intention here is to try to stop companies from getting this big and powerful to begin with. Even if they lose the suit, just the fact that they're bringing it, I feel like they want there to be some sort of a chilling effect on big tech. If these stocks, to your point, people are still buying these stocks anyway. If this thing keeps going higher, it's almost like a slap in the face now. It's, it's still not a big drawdown. I mean, what's it like 30, 30%, let's say 30, 33% off its high. Yeah. I don't know. All right. I mean, I, f I feel like we're going to be talking about this for, for, by the way, meanwhile, time. meanwhile, over the, over the last three years, Amazon's down 18%. Doesn't seem like a monopolist. It's, it's so the yeah. S and P is up 35. That's pretty crazy. And the Q's are up. Yeah. About the same. So Amazon's underperforming. It's over three years, like big time. I just feel like all of these businesses could go to another platform if they don't like it. Well, Shopify. So the, or, I mean, which is down more, right? but then they wouldn't have access to as many. Right. So their right? their benefit from being on the platform is greater than their cost, obviously. So that's there you go. Right. What Amazon is giving them is there is visibility. Yeah. Um, but then they complain that like if there's a hot selling item, Amazon will see that and they'll push their own item in front of it. Which oh. I mean, maybe they're doing. I would have no. So that's part of the cost then. Of yeah, that's Amazon. part of the cost. Is is you, they're both your provider and you compete with them. So I I don't I don't feel as though this this story is gonna hang over the stock for very long just because of the the nature of these things. So we we know this isn't your beat, it's not it's not ours either, but it's just big news that we have to discuss. Open AI, uh, they're talking about value in the company. So so uh, they're selling shares at ninety billion dollars. Ninety billion dollars. They've they did a billion in revenue last year. Now Who are they I'm, selling shares to? So uh, this is existing shareholders. Um, I'm sorry, existing employees getting out. Uh, but Sam Altman said that there's there's no plans for this company to ever go public. You know, we'll see. So they're getting some liquidity for early employees, which is which is reasonable. But ninety billion dollars, obviously, if they do get there, even eighty, that sets the floor because they're going to raise more money. Did you think? Did you think that we would see this much interest in uh, AI like six months ago? Did you think that? this would be anything more than like a few weeks of hype. This is like now we're in the sixth or seventh month of this. I did not, not at all. Um, and I think a lot of people have been caught off guard by just how the AI frenzy has totally driven the S&P 500 up this year and the extent to which investors are just all gung-ho about it, right? No one's not, even not questioning S &P it. S&P <laughs> 500 is driving up, you know, uh, semiconductor stocks in the emerging markets, TSMC and such. Yeah. So. Yeah. I I was saying I think it saved the stock market this year. Do you think that's too much? I don't think it's too much. I don't think it's no. too much. What's so fascinating is I remember at the end of last year, every time I would talk to investors, they were betting on a rally in value. They were betting on a cyclical recovery right. and for this big stock market rotation. And it's just so not what has played mm -hmm. out this year. So I don't think a lot of people I think, were positioned for I this. I think NASDAQ up 25% year to date still, even with the sell-off this month. And what is the S&P up? Couple percent, a few percent, right? And is the Dow negative on the year now? No, the S and P I think is up more than ten percent this year. So far. Still? no, it's yeah. ten, and then Dow minus one. Oh, or Dow, yeah, roughly flat. Wow. So that all right. So hey, Gudrun, I want to ask you. So Ben and I love reading reports from the Journal and other editorials publications, where y you find man or woman on the street, right? Just how do you do that? Like literally, are you? They're talking about like your quotes. So we, it's like, quoting like Miss, Mr. And, or Mrs. Smith. And I'm yeah. just like, we always sort of chuckle at that. Where, how do you find these she people? She stands on Avenue of the Americas. Like literally. <laughs> Street. Can, you, can you peel back the curtain a little bit? Uh, sure. I mean, that is, 
I think one of my favorite parts of my job is talking to, I love chatting with professional investors. They're super smart. Um, but individual investors are also really smart. And I love hearing what they're doing with their money. Like, actually, like, how big is their portfolio? How much money are they putting in this stock versus that stock? Or Where do you find them? Um, a lot on social media. Okay. I also... I started getting a lot of emails too, so I keep track of the people that email get, me. Like readers, you have regulars, uh, regular yeah. emailers. Yeah, I have regulars. <laughs> she, has a, she has a fan base. Are they, are they super excited? I mean, it's the Wall Street Journal. Um, well, so, to you be have honest, to monetize some people... the fan base. <laughs> Teach me how to do are that. You, no, I'm just are kidding. You, <laughs> are you selling? Are you selling them hoodies with your face yeah. on it? Uh, no, no, I'm not. Doing All right, so that. these are people that read your articles at the Journal, yeah. and they write to tell you what they think of the article. Yep. And then you have now quote unquote sources, you have people that you could say, hey, I'm doing a story on blank. What do you think? Totally. Or um, or I'm on Twitter or Reddit or e these days, even Instagram. People will DM me on Instagram to talk about stocks. It's kind of crazy. And yeah. this did not happen a few years and ago. Is it always Tesla, NVIDIA for the most part? It's not always Tesla, NVIDIA. Um, it, it's a lot of that for sure. <laughs> but you'd be surprised. Like some people want to talk about small caps. Some people still want to talk about the memes. Um, so yeah, I'll reach out to those people. I'll do a lot of cold outreach on Twitter, Reddit, all these different forums. Are the um, meme stocks dead? So so uh, uh, GameStop today announced that Ryan Cohen is going to be CEO. Uh, AMC is down 98% from its size. GameStop is down 80. I think for the most part, the meme stocks have had a revival from time to time, but it's not, the magic is gone. It's, gone. it's not 2021. It's gone. Like, this year, Tupperware, Yellow, these stocks rallying. Um, you're not uh, seeing- Right Aid. Yes. But no, it's weird. So the meme stocks are gone, but the but the people haven't left because if you look at retail investor volume as a percentage of the overall market or options trading, like this is what I was saying in 2020. Like I I think even though this bull market will not end well with respect to the meme stocks, gambling is addictive and it's very hard to unlearn that or get that behavior out of your system. Like that shit, it hooks you. It does, and I, the line between gambling and investing has never been thinner in part thanks to things like options, which have completely taken off over the past few years. They're so much fun. Well, everyday <laughs> investors were not trading these things as much as they are now, you know? And especially with this boom in one-day options trading. Like, that's yeah. like taking a shot of tequila instead yeah. of nursing a pilsner. Like, do it just hits you a lot Do those people email you or DM you? I feel like yeah. those are DMers. <laughs> the one those day are DMers. Option, <laughs> yeah, the one-day option crowd is not sending an email and waiting for a reply, right? Um, I mean, I, I did recently write about these one-day options, and I got a decent number of emails. But it's a lot of people on Twitter. They're using hashtags like lotto trades. They're still posting screenshots of— Thousand percent return, five thousand percent return. Sounds legit. They're they're in and out of these positions within minutes, if not hours or oh, seconds. I think it was an article that you wrote, or maybe one of your colleagues. Ben and I were talking about this a week or two ago. There was one person that you mentioned that you highlighted, um, and he said that like he's you know doing his four hundred one k and doing the the whatever the the boring stuff, and like this is this is his fun. And I I think that are there people that are overdoing it recklessly and being, yeah, of course there always are. But I think that for a lot of people, like they're doing it reasonably responsibly. Yes, I would totally agree. And there are ways to use options in a responsible way, right? Oh, that's not what I'm talking about. They're totally gambling. <laughs> and my point is they're investing in one bucket, like long-term retirement savings, like set and forget it. And then they're also having fun with the other bucket. So that guy you're talking about, he told me Robinhood was, was his gambling account. He has another yes. Fidelity account. Yeah. Yeah. That's so what's for wrong with that? I think so, that's fine. You know, you know one thing that's 
it's not wrong with it. If he wants to do it, it's fine. But I think one word of caution is he told me he had put five or $10,000 into that gambling account 10 times in a row and it went to zero right. 10 <laughs> times well, in a row. That's a different story. But you know, that's reckless. people go to Vegas, people people buy boats. Yep. Like people just choose, this is how I want to burn my light my money on fire. And if that's when, personally, I, if I'm going to gamble, I'd rather like gamble. I don't like gambling. If I were to gamble, I'd probably rather go to Vegas and have the whole experience <laughs> rather than just sit on my phone pressing buttons. You want to be at the win. Yeah, but, I, I, you know, again, it's like it's America. I mean, the danger there is like, so I bet on sports, but it's like it's one day a week. It's like Sunday, right? Like with the stock market, it's five days a week. It's it's nine hours a day or whatever many days. Like it, it could I mean, be. Crypto was 24 hours. Yeah. yeah. Like it could turn it could turn pretty dark. You want to hear something funny? I was talking to the guys from uh, Public this week. Yeah. And they told me the number one thing going on on their platform now is uh, six-month T-bills. So, <laughs> cash is so hot right now. So, new meme stock. Yeah. We wow. went from NFTs to T-bills <laughs> for this generation of investors in 18 months. What That's a pretty, I mean, it's pretty It's pretty amazing. That's the number one thing they're doing. Wow. So, uh, so Masayoshi's son is back, uh, or he's, he's creeping in the wings uh, with this open AI thing. So they're, they're, so they're letting existing employees who have been there early get out reasonable, normal, if they're not going public, you know, they want some liquidity. Uh, but they said OpenAI is why, this is from the journal, OpenAI is widely expected to raise more money by issuing new shares. Uh, Altman is already feeling intense, I love that word in this uh, in this paragraph, intense interest from investor giant investment giants like Masayoshi's son, because uh, of, of course. And then also, the information had an article where they said Johnny Ive, so it was like AI hardware, and they, they, they wouldn't specify because they don't really know, they're speculating. I guess Maybe similar to the glasses. Who knows? Johnny Ive, the renowned designer of the iPhone and OpenAI CEO Sam Altman, have been discussing building a new AI hardware device. SoftBank CEO and investor Master has talked to both about the idea. Um, what does that mean? Like a server? They they were just speculating. They don't don't know. A chip that goes into your brain, reads your mind, and then writes a story. <laughs> I want so I want there to be this thing where like there's so many books that I want to read that I will never read. Like just let me download it instantly. Upload it. Fine. Upload it into my brain. Right into my brain. Uh, oh my gosh! But then you missed the fun part. I know, no, I know. That would be great. I, but I'm what? Like there'll be a war where people are like you still you read books. You don't just get them uploaded to your brain. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, that's that's a great idea. Thank I would, you. I would invest in that. Thank you. So I'm with uh, Sam Alman. Uh, yep. Gunjan, you noted that several big companies are now venturing into hardware, but for the most part, it's still just like a hobby for them. I don't know. When you see Zuckerberg's glasses, that feels like it's going to be more than a that hobby. looks real. I don't know. What do you think? We don't know what the upside is, right? And I have to give a hat tip to my colleague at the journal, Dan Gallagher, who had this great piece on on how it's kind of a sideshow so far. You know, he said devices made up just under 3% of Microsoft's total revenue for the fiscal year ending in June. And it's a similar figure for Alphabet. So this is still not a meaningful revenue driver for, for these heavyweights. We haven't seen the, the, a lot of success here. Like well, you think uh, of uh, I mean, AirPods. And watches are no, Apple, monsters. Apple, no, no, no. Apple is a hardware company. I'm talking about Amazon's Fire Phone or all those HomePod devices that was Google. Um, you're not Even the Alexa the, was a flop. You're not seeing like the Alexa devices as much as you used to. That I can't think of a sustained success in hardware, to your point, from any of the big tech giants. That's probably why Apple makes so much money. Everything that's going on is running through Apple hardware in the end. And they're getting paid on all of it. So I, like that that much has not changed. So I, I think that's a really good point. Um, Parth, what you got? What are you pointing to? 
I'm just looking at the Google glasses. Remember those things? Yeah, they were, they were super at, dorky. They yeah, were so, so dorky. Hideous. And they were like $1,000, right? So. Uh, Mark Andreessen like po- posed with them on, and that picture like became a meme, <laughs> like him wearing the Google glass. Again, the wrong person to be modeling the Google Glass yeah. if you wanted it to work. <laughs> the most beautiful person in the world could not make those. <laughs> we cool. need Taylor Swift. For yeah. Taylor Swift. <laughs> Taylor Swift could probably do it. Um, let's let's talk. Is Nvidia the new Tesla? I find this interesting. I think every year there's that one stock that everyone's fixated on. In recent times, it's been a tech stock. Uh, I guess Tesla is like sort of a tech stock, but like it wasn't always this way. Like 15 years ago, the it stock was Green Mountain Coffee Roasters. I shorted that. I'm telling you guys, I was around for this. Before it got taken over. It was more, if this is possible, I hope Herb Herb Greenberg is listening to this. If it's possible, it was more controversial than Tesla in its day. It had every brand name short seller, like furiously writing columns and and giving quotes to, there was no Twitter yet. Um, just giving quotes to reporters 24-7 about what a fraud it was. We're literally talking about K-Cups. By the way, it got bought by Pepsi? Yeah, it ended up getting acquired. But it was it was like, so every year there's something like that. It, Monster Energy Drink was, was one. Anyway, these days it's almost always a tech stock, and this year it's NVIDIA. Why is this? I mean, I know it's up a lot. Why is this generating so much heat, do you think? I mean, I think it's just become that quintessential story stock. Um, I remember, you know, to your point about the Tesla DMs, for a while it felt like buying Tesla call options was free money. You'd buy them in the morning, sell them in the evening, and you just, you got rich, right? Yeah. And that's what NVIDIA feels like this year. Like, I can't I can't help but think of the $1,000 price yeah. target on it. And Tesla is down 40% this year. which is Oh, down 40% from its high, I should uh-uh. say. Not this uh-uh. year. Um, NVIDIA... NVIDIA breaking a trillion dollar market cap means a ton of regular people got rich alongside of like Wall Street money managers. And guess what? NVIDIA is still trading great. So it had that huge gap high. It was up like 30% after it upped its guidance from like 7 to $11 billion two quarters ago. And it's still higher from there. It did not get into the gap at all. During the pullback, I mean, stock's still trading great. I don't know. Thoughts on NVIDIA? I had, I was at a kids event where another child's grandparent asked me about NVIDIA. Because you work in finance? Yeah. <laughs> so you say buy or sell? I said it's high. The kids are playing with, G- <laughs> we're playing with GPUs. Put this, uh, John, yeah. put this chart up. Call call and put options on NVIDIA. Like this, to me, this qual- this qualifies as like a mania. I, and I bet it can go higher from here. But there's, there's also a lot of people betting against it. Uh, yeah. It's like two to one. By definition, somebody has to be on the other side of every every trade. Uh, four four million contracts. What is this a day? What, yep, this was this was daily volumes. And the reason I compare it to Tesla is that similar to Tesla, it, like the options market has taken on a life of its own. Yeah, where it's been the second most popular options trade in the entire market this year. Um, I do think a lot of retail investors who've been playing Nvidia options ahead of ahead of the past earnings lost money because there was this huge run up, ton of call options trading. The stock was unchanged after its earnings, so that means that you spent a yeah. ton of money yeah. <laughs> buying Everyone options. Everyone lost except yeah. for the sellers. Yeah. Oh, it so, rallied into the earnings. It was it was flat. I didn't remember. It was that. it was up and it closed down. It closed way off its highs, but it was flat for the day. So only the option sellers made money. So in the in the call options, the the, the buyers of the call options, I'm guessing are mostly retail investors. Wall Street's making a fortune of them. Off them. I'm sure there's a mix. There's definitely a lot of retail in there. Next, uh, next chart, John. This is options premium spent 
in 2023. Holy shit. Look at Tesla. Tesla is is still so off the charts. It's 400 billion. Wait, 400 billion in options premium spent in 2023, and NVIDIA is still at 100 billion. That's incredible. And then it's Amazon, Meta, Apple, Microsoft, Netflix. So that yeah, this is its own sport. Tesla basically. and Tesla's its own its own wildebeest. Tesla is, has been for the past few years the most popular options trade in the entire market. And that's why there's times when people think that the options are driving the stock moves themselves. I'm sure you guys have heard about the gamma squeeze. Yeah. And there are times that's played out in Nvidia this year too. Uh let's do this chart from Yuri and Timmer. All right, moving on. So Yurian, although same thing, I guess. Yurian said I think there is a secular rotation coming from U.S. large cap growth to everything else. But so far, it isn't happening. In terms of global asset allocation, the only rule to remember is that relative performance follows relative earnings, and the U.S. continues to lead on that front. Relative earnings trump relative valuation. So he's got this really great chart where he's looking at the total return of the U.S. versus ex-U.S., and of course, that's up and to the right. And then... uh, forward earnings per share, and again, up and to the right. And so the spread between the U.S., I think that's on a forward yeah, forward PE basis, and the rest of the world is, is high uh, and deserved. And I mean, we talk about this all the time. It, will there be a breaking point? Will this Is this just the new, new steady state where it's U.S. mega cap tech and everything else? I don't know. I, I feel like I changed well, my what's mind. Like the, the, the question is, like, what's the thing that will flip the switch? But, but – we don't need so I think actually I think we asked or not this. Yes, there needs to be a catalyst. Maybe it's, you know, the Fed funds rate at five and a quarter, although that hasn't worked yet, thanks to AI. Uh you don't need to know what the catalyst will be to know or to have high confidence that this will not go on forever. So what so as somebody managing international uh assets for investors, what do you tell what do you tell people about this question? So there's no way to predict what's going to happen in the future. So th- and, they must as, love that answer. And, we're, we're, <laughs> and, then, we're, and then what? We're an index, right? Yeah. So especially for index investors, uh, the whole point of indexing is because you can't predict what's going to happen in the future. And by the way, I'm fortunate to be working with mostly advisors who then have to give that answer. They they have their own answers for their yes. clients. I don't know what their answers are, but um, that's that's definitely our answer. And, and Eric Balchunas posted something yesterday. Shout out Eric, um, guest of the. Sh- show. Um, and he said, you know, for the entire 2000s, EM and small cap value were up over 100% each. Wait, what I, is this? I don't know if you guys remember The last decade. When we all started in the industry, yeah. right? Yes. EM and small cap value were on a tear. Yes. And S&P and NASDAQ were down. Everybody wanted EM, remember? From 2000 to 2009, the S&P was 0% return. Yeah. So, and you made a lot of money in emerging. So that could happen. We don't, we don't know, but um, it yeah, seems unfathom- It seems like impossible now, but yeah. like it, it happened a decade ago. It was impossible back then to imagine that emerging markets would have done so terribly for the. Yeah, the China was the yeah. was the engine of the global economy. Even five years out. ago, China yeah. was still you know the the big. It's so long ago though. It's like fifteen. It's like fifteen years of U.S. outperformance ish. So I feel like yeah. I feel like it should have turned a long time ago. And there have been like moments but, where you thought it was about to. It but, just doesn't. But to Yurian's point, it's relative performance, relative earnings trumps relative valuation. The spread has been wide and widening, um, but these companies keep delivering and they keep raising the bar and still jumping over it. Okay. So what's the story where 
emerging markets or even developed markets uh, have earnings growth then that outpaces U.S. earnings growth? Like if you had to come up that with- does, that does, that's, He's not saying that, that doesn't have to happen for them to outperform. Relatively. They don't have to. The, the spread on all valuation metrics is so historically wide that it wouldn't take a lot for this to start going the other direction. In your conversations with uh, with advisors these days, what are you hearing about just the state of willingness to invest internationally? Like, what are some of the conversations like? So we mostly get inbound requests from advisors who are hearing from their clients that they don't want the autocracy drag anymore, right? So they're concerned Can about- Can you define the autocracy drag? So, yeah, I mean- Russia's market going to zero, China's market being a drag on investor returns in the emerging market space because they have such a huge allocation right now. Um, autocracy risk being things like, you know, the, the primary one being business uh, priority risk, right? So as a business, if your priority is to um, answer to the state versus your customers or your shareholders, right. then there's a there's a cost of doing business that way. And we are subsidizing as foreign investors that cost. Um, and that's probably the biggest cost of doing business in autocracies. But, but also there's data data risk. We don't know the data is accurate or reliable because the government tells you what you can and can't say. Right. Um, transparency risk. We don't know who, the murky ownership structures, tran non-transparent um, accounting standards. Right. So all of those things are, uh, you know, risks that you take in autocracies when you're investing there. So, yeah, uh, mostly our our clients are advisors who are trying to um, look into alternatives. They want exposure, but they they want it differently yeah. than what they're getting in MSCI. Right, and, and that's yeah, and that's there's two types: one that doesn't want the autocracy drag, and and the second type that believes that freer markets do outperform in the long run because they have, you know, um, faster recoveries. They use their capital, you know, their, their capital is allocated more efficiently. Um, stronger institutions, stronger rule so of law. So I want that to be true because I, I would agree with it philosophically yeah. that in the long run, the freer a society, the better the stock returns should be for its domestic companies. It must be frustrating when you see like these stretches where Chinese internet stocks double the performance of the rest of the EM. Yeah. And I know it doesn't last forever. It's more like a rally. Um, but when you see stuff like that, surely people must ask you like, are we missing the boat? All right, I get it. This is an autocracy, but like, are we missing the boat on where the real money is being made, not owning Tencent and all these other things? Like, like what's your, what's yeah. your response to that kind of thing? So fortunately, um, we don't have to do that response very much these days. I just put a chart on there of our, um, return since inception versus EM yeah. and EMXC, right? So the, the outperformance is quite stark in the emerging markets. Now we've had a couple of very, very um, uh, rare events. So the war, COVID. So those are very, you know, uh, very rare. So, so you know, the outperformance, I don't, I, every time I show this chart, I'm like, do not expect this all the time. No. But we don't have to answer that right now. And, and I'm, I, I had no idea that the thesis would play out this quickly. I'm happy that it did. Um, but I think when we first so launched- you're like, So, like, right, if you're an index emerging- X China, X Russia, yeah, the world right. took care of it yeah. for you. Yes, but it wasn't just that. Because if you look at the okay. recovery in 2020, for example, right. we outperform X China, right? If you look at since inception, we outperform X China. Um, and you can zoom in on, oh, that's not the right one, but that's okay. <laughs> I just added it just two seconds ago because um, I wasn't going to show performance, but if you want to. Um, but mainly like last year, for example, Chile did well. It was a very, it's a very free market that has very little play in the uh, benchmark indices because of the inflation trade, 
because they're okay. a high commodities exporter. Um, Chile is also an interesting market because it's a way to kind of play China without playing China. You, ah. you don't have actually that direct autocracy risk, but there's a lot of trade with China. So if China does well, Chile does catch that. Oh, I see. But okay. you don't have that direct autocracy. But you're not like putting the, money directly into that country. Yeah, so the government can't say, oh, you're a nonprofit now, like they did to the edutech companies in China. They don't have that risk, these okay. companies in Chile. But you can indirectly kind of catch China. So when the reopening was expected, a lot of people were, you know, in these diversified markets like um, that have Chile in it because they wanted that exposure. If you don't get a value, if you don't get a value stock rotation like a me of meaningful length, it's really hard to make the case that like uh, developed or emerging economies, emerging markets elsewhere are going to outperform the U.S. Are there like? Are there inklings that in some other parts of the world they're going to grow their own um, big tech companies at, at any point? Because I feel like that's like something yeah, outside of China. Outside of China, could happen. has not really happened yet. I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you What do you think about that? I think I think the bigger issue is that not not an issue actually. It's great for Americans, but just betting against the American economy has not worked. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I feel like you're kind of making that wager if you're. If you're if you're thinking that EM can outperform on a relative basis, right? That these other economies around the world can outperform ours, and it's been a Teflon economy that just hasn't happened. Yeah, the economies don't have to outperform for their stock markets too. That's true. And it's 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 I would agree. Like it's unthinkable what <laughs> for that to change, but that's happened many times in the past. This is not this does not have to go on forever. But I will I will wager that you're not hearing from too many individual investors in your DMs that are excited about emerging markets. I'm not. Um, I hear from professional investors who are concerned about U.S. valuations, and that's often the case I hear made for EM or, or global stocks. And also exactly what you guys are saying, where this has happened, it can happen completely out of the blue. But um, for a sentiment check, it's not something people are, are you know, reaching out to me about right now. I mean, to be fair, though, that that's a different audience than advisors who always have an allocation. Totally. But I do think that the 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 outperformance in the U.S. is so sustainable because it, it is supported by a system of rule of law. And yeah. that's what Josh wrote about in 2017 in his famous post, which I hope you guys link here. Because what did I write? Revive. I forgot already. It's the link between I mean, stock sure markets was, and rule I'm of sure law. I'm sure it was great. You were talking about you have to honor contracts. You have to, yeah. you know, you have to know that, you know, you're, you're, you have to have private property rights Oh, I for think that was me being anti-Trump without using his name. Oh. <laughs> well, no, because you remember like 2017? Yes. He would like, he's the president. He would like go on Twitter and start like saying like, I'm going to shut down Pfizer. And the stock would go down like 8%. So as, and everyone was excited about the Trump rally in stocks, which was real. Stock market went up a lot after he was elected. But to your point, I was saying like, this is maybe- Oh yeah, you're right. Like this is maybe great today because it's so entertaining. It's probably not good- over the long term, if we have a situation where somebody in Congress or in the White House can just like change the rules on a company because the CEO wasn't deferential to them. Yeah. Uh, but that was a real thing. We had these Trump tape bombs in that moment. I, I do remember writing that. Now. You actually did quote Matt Levine and said, if the president can, without consulting the courts of Congress, banish U.S. lawful permanent residents and he can do anything or he can. He can, and the reason why the U.S. is a good place to do business is that for the last 220 years, it has built a firm foundation on the rule of law. Right. So, yeah, it was. That's exactly what it was. It's such a double standard, though, because I wrote that 
during Trump. Now Biden's uh, Biden's FTC chair is like literally just trying to, <laughs> you know, unilaterally ban uh, mergers, tried to stop Activision Microsoft, yep. um, where there's absolutely no overlap whatsoever, et cetera. Um, Meanwhile, Apple's market cap, just apropos, I guess, really nothing, but just getting back to that thing. Apple's market cap is, I think, bigger than all of the German DAX. And so I'm not saying that Europe is somehow going to create the next Apple. I'm just saying that it doesn't take a lot for relative valuation spreads to narrow a little bit. Uh, in the journal, Chinese regulators are banning short selling. Am I reading this wrong or right? Did you read this? I did. Yes, okay. that sounds sounds crazy. Let me but... quote this. <laughs> Chinese regulators have taken a novel approach to prop up the country's faltering stock market by banning many companies' biggest shareholders from selling. Uh, <laughs> how does how, the new rules effectively place share sale restrictions on about half of the five thousand plus companies that trade in Shanghai, Shenzhen, uh, and then I don't I don't know. Like how how do you uh, how do you honestly have a stock market and then tell the insiders that work at these companies that they can't make sales? China's Ev China Evergrande suspends trading as new trouble Royals property market. I think their property market is that like a no, something they, low? They may maybe what he did was short sell. They basically put the um, CEO under house arrest of Evergrande. He had so it coming. I don't know what he did. Maybe short sold uh, uh, short sold his stock. Um, Wait, but he yeah. short sold his own stock? No, I'm, I'm just making that Oh, up. my God. All right. I, I don't know what happened. He's under house arrest. <laughs> so, so the stock stopped, stock stopped trading on the Hang Seng. So, okay. So, um, you, so you, if you're an insider, though, at a publicly traded chi Chinese company, you now have share sale restrictions. Yeah. Are, are they absolute? I or do, do you have to call the right person that you know and be like, I want to <laughs> sell? Are you guys going to get mad at me? You're going to – the police are going to come have tea with you if – if they see you short selling. So, all right. So my opinion is, my opinion is like, this is why you have a four PE on yeah. the Russian stock market, for example. It's like, oh, they're cheap. Yeah. There's a reason for that. There's, a re there's always a reason. So we don't know when these things will reverse, but we do know that it doesn't happen out of nowhere. Well, they're also disappearing their own executives. So the or in, insiders who are like the like the Evergrande what guy. Is that? What is that? They're mean? holding foreign executives hostage. So there's an exit ban on a Japanese executives in China right now. That's reported by the FT. Is that um, bullish or bearish? I don't know. It's not good. It's not good. Right? <laughs> okay. Well, didn't they get rid of Jack Ma for a while? I think he resurfaced. Yeah, right? he He's resurfaced. Okay. But I mean, if you're a Japanese executive or an American executive and go go to China business. And you can't come out. I mean, that's that's so many issues there. Freedom of movement. <laughs> it's not great. Yeah, I mean, all kinds of issues. As, yeah, I mean, so they're not doing anything to convince foreign investors to go back in. It's the it's the biggest outflows from capital from China, biggest capital outflows out of China since late 2015, beginning of 2016. What happened then? Right? They propped up the stock market by telling people to margin their houses to buy stocks. Stock market went up, it crashed, and then they banned short selling. And even at that time, they banned selling, not short selling. Selling was illegal selling. for some point. At, yeah, at yeah. some point, you couldn't sell. So you had your you know, taxi drivers on the street marginalizing their house to buy stocks. Wait, it goes if you up, can't sell, how do people buy? I, I don't know, but there was... you there, you couldn't get out, basically. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's not, don't it's ask not questions enough. like that. Uh, put, the, put this tweet up. Uh, Jared Dillian. Shout out to Daily Dirt Nap. Yeah. 
Uh, do you know Jared? Yeah. 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 All That's right. Great. Uh, so, so Bloomberg tweeted something like the relentless sell-off in Chinese stocks has made the market the worst performer in the world over the past three years, but some funds are looking to unearth pockets of value. And Jared, just from the top rope, <laughs> du jour communist country disappears executives, expropriates property, and seeks to start World War III, but some funds are looking to unearth pockets <laughs> of value. That's, I don't know, I feel like that's too far. If we want these markets to open up, isn't there isn't there a case to be made that like you want there to be international investors that have some say and some stake because it's not true that a com- a country would open up its stock market to the outside world and then never listen to anything that those investors say. What what do you think about that? The actions that have been taken so far don't seem to be catering to international investors at all. It just doesn't even all. seem yeah. like where their head's at. So I think it's it's kind of besides the point almost for for the country. And, and it's just, it's an afterthought how U.S. investors or can investors. That, can that change? Like, is it is it possible that that gets better? Like, can, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's a regime change. Or, I don't think they're going to change their mind. So, so here's the the um, thing that's preventing it from changing. If for that, for them to change, open up more, be, be more transparent, open up more to the opinions of foreign investors, maybe um, they would have to let go of some of their own power. So the CCP has so concentrated their power at this point in China that to open up at all would mean that they would have less power. There'd be more power going to foreign influence, people's opinions, um, and Right now, they're not going in that direction. They're not going to pivot to democracy, you don't think? I mean, they're not right now. <laughs> I it, hope they do. Is this why executives like Tim Cook are talking more and more about India, like in their— Yeah, and, and you know what? I personally, I'm so bored with China because, like, that's all we ever talk about, especially in emerging markets. Yeah. Well, um, it's the, well, it's the biggest—is it the biggest weight in MSCI? Yeah, it's, it's like 35%. Wait, it was 42% as height in wasn't, 2020. Wasn't the saying, like— I mean, it was the world. Was it the world sneezes? The U.S. sneezes, the world catches a cold, or was it China? It was both at some point. Wait, well, but, 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 but China didn't sneeze. They vomited, and we're still pretty healthy. Yeah. So right now, that's but, a— th- Right, like the world economy is— It's is, different is, is this go- time. Is, it's like China's doing all these things to close themselves um, off more, um, and then trying to blame the U.S. for decoupling when actually they're doing the decoupling. They're taking back their pandas. Like Excuse the pandas. Me? Say more. L- literally. Is that a metaphor? No, literally. Bloomberg just reported. I put this on here. <laughs> they are taking, come on. They're taking back all the, all the pandas that are in the U.S. Don't you f- touch the Bronx of pandas. Excuse me. They're going take back. Em. Excuse me. What do you mean take them? Take take pandas em. are so Can cute. Can you think of a more useless f- animal on the planet? <laughs> Whoa. No, no disrespect. I, I don't, I Why know are they're, pandas catching I know they're endangered. <laughs> I, sorry. I know they're endangered. The I want them to thrive. I, let me, let me. I'm sorry. All right, right. Go, go ahead. <laughs> I want I want pandas to thrive, but I have stood f- nose to nose with a panda, <sighs> with glass in between at a zoo. I have two children. I have stood nose to nose. Do you hear what this guy saying? I have been to I have been to several panda encounter enclosures at several zoos around the country. Nicole, your thoughts they on this? They literally eat. They eat. <laughs> hold on. They eat 18 hours a day. I could do that. That's not. They literally, all they do is literally sit down and eat bamboo by the, the metric ton. Uh, that's enough. I, I, st- I stand take with them. pandas. I love pandas. They're it's so a cute. non-productive asset. Okay. <laughs> take the, take the, Wait, the what pandas. Else they, what, else they, what else are they trying to take? No, just, just the pandas. Just you can the take pandas. my pandas, they, but they don't, want, don't take they my don't want any. Yeah, the, the rest of us, they don't want. So, um, so yeah, no, I, I think— uh, 
Yeah, the conversation has truly changed. When we first started this, everybody thought, you know, you're crazy to not have China in your fund. Now, everybody's coming to us because we don't have China. But it's not just China. There's 23 other emerging markets out there. You know, Poland, what is Poland Put up the, this John, year's? pop this chart like with, the, uh, with Poland, Mexico, Taiwan, and Brazil. So what is this showing? This is uh, returns from December 30th, 2022 through last week. Uh, yeah, when I, when I you're cherry picking the four emerging markets that have I actually am. gone up. Okay, but you're <laughs> these making are, these are the ones that went up more than ten percent. In the we're going to allow it because you're making a point. Go ahead. That's right. a point. These there are the I'm, I'm purposely picking the ones that went up more than ten percent in the year today, and I chose this time frame because I know Michael likes shorter time frames. <laughs> Yeah, do you have anything that's uh, dated not, back to you yesterday? Can, you, can actually, you can actually zoom out on this, and it'll tell the same story. What is the story that this is telling? Basically, there's other emerging markets out there that you're missing out on if all you talk about is China or all you have is market cap-weighted indexes. So, hey, What's going on in Turkey this year? Isn't the Turkey stock market going nuts? That's an autocracy up, yeah. and a half, though. So, so you, I'm explain not gonna yourself. Put, <laughs> yeah, you missed, you missed Turkey. Turkey, actually, we have a we have a rule in the methodology that's a freedom momentum decline rule. So if it declines with, too quickly in any given year, and we use Freedom House for this, this is uh, like if they go more than five points in one quantitatively. year. Quantitatively. And not the price. Not the price. On yeah. the Freedom House scale. Freedom what not scale? Not the price. Freedom House. That's House. The, the data. They do freedom metrics. Got it. Um, we use Cato and Fraser for the main Part for the main country weighting, but we use Freedom House for this one rule. And the only country that ever invoked this rule was Turkey. So Turkey triggered this rule in 2018 because they fell more than five percentage points or five points on the Freedom so House. So they got scale. booted? They got booted. And they never came back in. So that's my Turkey explanation. A lot of you. alpha in Turkey right now. <laughs> Stocks, uh, stock. Countries making a 52 week high. Yep. Um, we, didn't get to, we didn't get to this these options trades, uh, Mike. But I, I want to I want to I want to go here next. Uh, this is this is so we mentioned options before, but just the so the journal has this great article about uh, and it's yours, Gunjan. So congratulations. <laughs> this is a great article. This is from September twelfth. Uh, amateurs pile into twenty four hour options. I wanted to make sure we got to these charts. I don't think people understand the extent to which this is going on and how widespread it is and how much it's affecting the market. What is this chart that we're looking at? This is average daily options volume going back to the 1990s. And as you can see, things have just totally wow. taken off since 2020, uh, when the pandemic kind of ushered in this rush of rookie traders who wanted to suddenly trade options. So is this is this 10x the amount of options trading that was going on in the 90s. Am I reading this right? You're reading it, more? it completely right. It may even be more than that. Volumes have doubled from five years ago. Doubled. But, but these people got wiped out. Or, or, or I should say, the stocks that they were trading, the meme stocks, the, the high beta, high flying stocks all got killed, but they didn't leave. It's like the I'm not leaving thing from DiCaprio. They're finding new ways to gamble and they're not going here's anywhere. One of, here's one of Gunjin's uh, best friends. Lucas Summer <laughs> woke up around, this is one of your pen pals, woke up around the time the stock market opened and still bleary-eyed opened his Robinhood app. Very good writing. It's like, it was a dark and stormy night. All right. Um, he had a hunch it would be a good day for stocks, scooped up some options contracts that would profit if the NASDAQ rose that day. By the time he was toweling off from a shower, though, the market had ticked down and his options had taken a big hit. Quote, 
That's a $1,000 shower, he recalled. <laughs> Soon after, the options he bought for $3,000 were worth eighty. Okay, but it could also be eighty to 3000 This is the game these people have chosen to play. That's the game. They want the convexity, right? That's why people are playing this game for that high-risk, high-reward situation. So this guy probably was in GameStop three years ago. Like, it's the same—you think it's the same people? It's definitely some of the same people, but I think the meme thing has evolved. As you said, like, risk appetite is still so high um, in, in all corners of the market. It's you so know? weird. Yeah, it's still, like, people really do want to make I would have thought last year would have killed that off. I think a lot you? of people did. I think a lot of people thought it would wash out the spe- speculation in the market, but— Take a look at high growth stocks this year, how yeah. how some of these AI stocks have been trading. Um, so crypto's say, up on the year. This is good for you. This is your beat. You don't <laughs> want this thing to go away. You, like you you have you have this thing nailed. Um this is also from your article. My I I would not have guessed the number was this big. Between November 2019 and June 2021, according to the London Business School, the people trading these options have lost 2.1 billion dollars. Where did that two point one billion dollars go? Ken Griffin. Is it Citadel? The market makers are are making a ton of money yeah. from this. And it's interesting. I spoke with those academics and they were like, this is a really, really conservative estimate we're giving you. Um, because in order to get a, a paper through and, and approved, you have to be really strict with with how you're coming to these numbers. Um so that's a conservative number. It's interesting because it's not if you look at like Robin Hood's quarterly reports, which I'm always very much looking forward to. They're not getting new users. Like their 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 accounts, the number of accounts on the platform are not growing. And yet, is it just the people aren't leaving? Like, are, are there new people that are coming in, into the stock market gambling, or is it pe- the people that have been here? It's a mix of both. It's really important to remember that options are a cash cow for the Robin Hoods, the Weebles, the Schwabs of the world. They make double the amount from payment for order flow and options than they do in stocks. Yeah. So it's incredibly lucrative. And that's because the spreads are so wide. It's wider spreads. Yeah. Um, it's also tougher to get it right with options. You could, as as you said, you could put in 500, 1,000 and kind of lose it all in, in a few minutes. I used to trade options back in the day and I, you you would buy an option. It's like, all right, I, I hit buy $500. Like literally the order gets executed. It's like 390. It's like, wait, wait, what just happened? <laughs> It's called the schmuck tax, Michael. Welcome to Wall Street. Happy to pay it. Um, If Robinhood didn't exist, like the market makers would have had to invent it. It is literally the perfect mousetrap for transferring money from unsophisticated people directly into the pockets of- Directly. Like literally- And it's it's, it's structural. It's not like they're taking the other side. I mean, they're they're making the market. And so it's not like it's not like uh, the traders, the retail traders, have to win or lose. It's not it's not zero sum, right? Well, many of the retail traders are losing money, um, but you're right that the market makers are taking the other side. So even and, if even if they were making gobs of money, yeah, Citadel would still be making. Well, they money make with money that. from the spreads, exactly. right? By buying and selling all day right, long. Right, it's they, not even the directional. It's just the execution. Yep. So uh, they. So I saw the movie. Did you see the dumb money yet? I did. What'd you think? I thought it was entertaining, but I think what a, it, what a pause, what a hesitance. <laughs> no, I, I didn't mean to hesitate. I did okay. think it was well done. It was entertaining. I don't think it told the full story. These meme stock traders did not did not come out on top the way the I movie so showed. I so agree with that. I, I I didn't dislike the movie for it, but it had to end somewhere, and they chose not to have it end in 2022 when all of these things go up in flames. So yeah. it's it's hard to watch the movie. You were so close to the story. 
for the layperson, do you who think- play, Who played you in the movie? I forgot. <laughs> do you think the layperson would enjoy the movie? Is it fun? It is fun. I, to be honest, I really like the soundtrack. There was some like fun hip hop yes. music. It was it was good. Yeah, it yes. was entertaining. Uh, it it opens with a song that's too offensive for yep. me to name. A uh, Cardi B song. The uh, is that Megan Thee Stallion or Cardi B? I, I think forgot. maybe both. I thought maybe both. Oh, they're both on that song. I thought it was Nicki and Megan. I'm not saying the name of the song. Nicole's shaking her head. Don't worry, I'm not going to say it. Cardi and Megan. It was Cardi and Megan. Okay. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> Gen Z in the house. What's up? What's up? Thank you for that. Uh, anyway, I won't say the name of the song, but you're right. You know what else I thought they nailed? The masks and just mask wearing culture. Wait. Uh-oh. Oh, my God. It, I was about to say, what, what are you talking about? I forgot. Because yeah. the whole movie, but what they did, which I don't think a lot of people noticed, the rich people are never wearing masks. Like the hedge fund managers, um, you never see them in a mask. The only people wearing the masks are the people that are trading on Robinhood because they also work at GameStop or work in a hospital. And I, they didn't like explicitly say it, but I picked up on that. And I thought that was an important context for the story. Like, why are these people so pissed that they're revenge trading? Well, look at their lives. So it, they start out with uh, Seth Rogen. He's yelling at a realtor on the phone. He's got a huge house in Florida. He's trying to buy the lot next to it so he can knock down the house and build a tennis court so his family could play tennis during the pandemic. <laughs> like, that's, like, literally the first scene, right? The yeah, first and, scene you see and he's just as, like, angry about this tennis court re renovation and why it isn't done yet as he is about his GameStop losses. Wh why was it GameStop? Like, why that stock? So that was the stock that Keith Gill got behind, Roaring Kitty. And he initially stirred up that's a right. lot of... Um, a lot of Reddit attention but, around but there's it. Also, but there's also a component to it where, like, why, why GameStop, there are other stocks that were just as shorted. Because oh, it was gamers? Oh, because it was shorted. gamers. Just, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Mm. The, these 22-year-olds grew up right. going to GameStop. It was something that they felt connected to that if there were a way to defend it against evil or whatever, like— they got more passionately behind that than they did like Bed Bath and Beyond. Has he been in the news? What happened to him? Does he still own the yeah. stock? So we we interviewed him at the Journal um, in 2021, and that was his, his the only interview he ever gave, and he never gave another interview. Um, Is that right? Yeah. Is he still on Wall Street Bets? He stopped posting around that time. He stopped posting screenshots around the time of that congressional testimony. I'm sure that became uh, ridiculously overwhelming, right? He's just like a regular dude who all of a sudden gets national spotlight. That's a lot. The he movie, was getting a lot of attention. He's the hero of the movie. Uh, he's like, uh, Paul Dano plays him, and he's awesome actor. Like, everything he's in is so good. Uh, are you surprised they made him the hero of the movie? I felt like he was the easiest person to, like, make you feel sympathetic for and want to see win. Right. Totally. And they, they paint him in the movie as this really blue collar guy, like the, the juxtaposition between his home in a, in a modest Massachusetts suburb and Ken Griffin and Steve Cohen. It was really stark. You know, I thought another thing the movie really nailed was like the Robin Hood confetti. Yes. Kind of ev Every throughout scene. the movie. Yeah. People are just like, bye, bye. It's like a celebration. That was definitely a big yeah. part of the whole thing. It's like it's a party. It's literally gamified. Yeah. So uh, I like the pet pig that they had in Steve Cohen's office. This is not <laughs> so a thing funny. that exists. Okay, I thought uh, it did a few years ago. Did it really? He has a, he had a pig walking around his mansion uh, a, in it was Connecticut. A it was a panda. It was a panda. <laughs> I knew I, I knew I didn't like those things. Uh, all right, I th I thought it was okay. 
I, I did not dislike it. I think people should see it anyway, just because it will teach you a little bit about how the whole thing went down. I do wish that there were a coda where they're like, oh, by the way, don't ever do this. And most of these people ended up giving back everything that they made. Mm-hmm. But by I the guess, way, Wall Street made an absolute killing off of killing. this. Yeah. Yeah. They they feasted on all of this activity, which they also don't. They uh, killed Gabe Plotkin so bad he had to buy the Hornets. <laughs> <laughs> they also don't show you in the movie. Um, you guys have fun today on the show? So fun. Yes. Thank you guys. Yes. You have fun today on the show? Yeah. Am I going to get one of these hoodies or what? It's in the mail. Okay. Literally. Okay. Quadruple <laughs> XL for me, please. I like to I like to layer uh, underneath. China's going to try and take it back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, this is we, not made in China. <laughs> we do this thing that we do this thing to end every show uh, where we give out favorites to the audience. So something you're reading, watching, listening to. Perth, start us off. What's uh, so, what are you into these days? I saw an interview with Kajakalis just one weekend. I was on the treadmill walk, watching Bloomberg and. She is the prime minister of Estonia, a very small market. It's a frontier market, but very free, like freer by our Cato and Fraser metrics than the U.S., right? And she said that when they uh, basically when they had when they got their independence and had to write their laws, they started from nothing because there were no laws. There was no rule of law before. And they said she said that when they realized they they would have to have rule of law, basic pro- property rights to attract foreign investors. And so that's why they wrote their laws this way. And now they're one of the freest countries in the world, most digitized in the world. What um, was it before it was its own country? Was it part of uh, Russia. Russia? Yeah. Okay. It's an Eastern European post-Soviet nation. Okay. Very yeah. cool. Where can we see that? Or, it's or on Bloomberg. Um, you can link it. Okay. Yeah. I saw um, here. And what's Red Roulette? Oh, that's, that's, it's a book by Desmond Shum. He's a guy who, you know, was very successful in China and then they basically kidnapped his wife. And that's the story of it. I just started it. It's so far so good. So Is it like Red Notice? It's like Red Notice, which I noticed you have on your shelf. How good was that book? When so is that going to become a movie? I, can't I think it, it is. hasn't already. Oh, it I is? think it's, it's, it's soon or maybe already done. I don't know. But they are, they were making a movie of it. Okay. okay. And there's, there's a second book, um, for, for something frozen. Anyway, there's a second book by, um, what a f- wild book that was. Yeah. Oh, my God. And also, Shut Up and Keep Talking. Shut Up and Keep Talking by Bob Pisani. We had Bob on the show yes, you did. Uh, when it came out. He's the so best. good. Yeah. The best. You know Bob? You're a CNBC contributor. Isn't he like the nicest guy yes, ever? Yes, he is. He, um, so he was at Future Proof, and he's such a superstar. Yeah. Like, he just has a line of people. They don't even want to take a picture with him or whatever. They just want to talk. They just want to, yeah. like, FaceTime with Bob. And I thought that was so cool. He's been around, like, 30 years. Um, on TV 30 years. So I thought that was pretty cool. You like, you like the book? So far, so good. I, I'm reading multiple at once and just started each of them. So. I do that too. I read two at once and I don't right. finish either. That's Same. Like, that's my, uh, one day you can just insert them. There we go. Gunjan, what's your, what's your favorite for this week? So I read this incredible New Yorker feature piece. So did I. On the Sam Bankman Fried oh, to, to, But I want you to talk about it. Tell, tell us about it. <laughs> no, it was it was just a fascinating look at his parents. You know, yeah. I can't I can't even imagine having kids and having a kid who gets They created him. Right. They created him and, and they were yeah, it's tough. They went on the ride with him. You know, they they participated they aided in the riches. And abetted, you could almost say. That's what people are I saying. I didn't finish the article. I've got, I, I feel like I've, I read it for 20 minutes. I'm only halfway through. But there was one part where the mom was said, like, he's incapable of lying. That line blew my mind. It blew she, my mind. She seems like, like, I don't want to, con- listen, I don't want to comment on people's like parents or whatever. Like, he did the crimes, 
But then you read these Alleged. emails Alleged. where they're like, yo, give me a million dollars. Like the parents seem worse than the kid in this case. And they were, she was an ethics professor. I well, mean, that's, that's the joke. That's, that's, that's the really joke. And then the, the part that really struck me is the reporter does such a good job of this laying out where um, they signed a deed on a Bahamas property, like a $16, $15 million Bahamas property. And then they were saying that um, they didn't fully understand or there was some mix-up in terms of signing the paperwork and stuff. They signed the wrong papers. I read that. Yeah. What? And the reporter points out that they seem so um, so detail-oriented with everything else. So it just raised, raises all these questions about parenting. So and the trial starts in October, did they say? Yeah, I think it starts next week. Well, no, but that but, – but on the heels of that article, what was already on the way was a suit against the parents – from FTX, the estate of FTX, John Ray sued the parent because in the process of all of his work, he starts uncovering all this evidence that the parents are like helping themselves to millions of dollars. I have a theory. During this like Stanford bubble, basically in the last 15 years, anyone that's even driven through Stanford is a billionaire at this point. They've been in the same house for 30 years. It's like a billionaire factory. And a lot of these kids are on campus so they have like, they see these kids come, these are professors. So they see these kids come in, the, the kid drops out of school two years later and founds like Airbnb. But wait, if they're, like they're if, watching but this hold on. wealth if they, creation. If, they're, if their kid is worth 30 billion or whatever the alleged number was, and they're look, trying to take, it's not, they didn't know they were taking the customer's money. Uh, well, we That's don't, you know, point. we can't pass judgment on that, but the estate seems to think that they were like looting this company. Like if you read the suit, it reads really badly. Like, May, no, but maybe they just thought it was his money. But so uh, I don't but know. But they're involved is the point. Yeah. That's what okay. I'm saying. Got it. But also as a, as a parent, how do you That's even rough. think about That's that? Rough. Like, aren't you inclined to think your child is not stealing people's money or, or is being careful? And to this degree, it's not like he robbed the store. Oh, that's right. Th- that's an interesting question. Why are they so unskeptical about this? Did they just really believe he was destined for greatness his whole life and that this was normal? Because this kid amassed a thirty billion dollar fortune in like a year, like it's not like he invented something and then over ten years he built the company. It was overnight billions and billions and billions of dollars. Why weren't they at all skeptical? These are educated people. No one was skeptical. Wall Street wasn't skeptical. I, I everyone, wasn't. everyone yeah. else was in the same boat the guy as his just, parents. The guy just showed up, and you and he's like a billionaire, and he owns the naming rights to all these arenas. You're just like, oh, okay, I, I guess. It's crypto. I don't. Yeah, this is how crypto know. works. Um, but I think the parents are the most likely to to go along for it. I mean, I don't have kids, so I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But I would think they would be even more inclined to to believe in. in are you covering? Are you covering the? Who's covering the trial for you, you guys? Um, we have a few reporters on it. It's going to be a circus. Can yeah. you muscle your way in there? Can you, el- <laughs> you elbow your way into the front? I try to be a good colleague, but I'm I'm sure they, to be honest, need extra hands. Do you think it's going to be? <laughs> do you think it's going to be exciting? I do. I do. I can't wait to. It's going to be like a lot of like crazy testimony. Are there going to be like cameras allowed in or? I'm not sure. I know we will have some reporters in the courthouse. They're going to be blogging and, and covering. Will it. they wear the spectacles if I can get them a pair? <laughs> will they wear the? I mean, what, what is what is consensus now that he's going to go to jail? Oh yeah, he's definitely going to jail. Can you imagine if he doesn't? The judge basically threatened them and is like, "You're probably going to jail." Like the last reporting that I saw, the judge made some remark like, "If you're found guilty, you're, I mean, go- you're all, going." They all turned on him. There's nobody. There's nobody testifying on his behalf that was on in the inner circle. Right. They're all. They all flipped. What Which is what they probably should have done because they're all criming. They're criming up a storm, right? 
You like how I use that? Yes. Phrase? <laughs> okay. All right. Michael, you have a favorite for us? Uh, hashtag Chad gets the axe. Say no, more. I'm kidding. I, I, I'll leave that for Animal Spirits. Okay. Uh, I, wa- I was watching uh, last night Leonard Cohen. I think this might be old. There's a documentary called Hallelujah, and it's about his life and uh, just a remarkable Oh, my poet, gosh. I want to watch musician. that. Musician. I love that song so much. I was walking through yeah, London this summer under a bridge, and this guy was singing that song. I didn't have any pounds on me. I almost dropped my phone number. In there. Did he cry? I mean, no, he didn't cry, but he was so No, did so you? Good. It's a very no, moving song. No, but I, I filmed the whole thing. I'll yeah. send it to you. It's, it's so good. And the acoustics under that bridge, it was like the perfect song, yeah. mm. perfect location. If you're in the New York City subway, at least when I was there, like you would see a guy on a guitar playing that song like, I don't know, once a day. Uh, the Jeff Buckley version is superior. Agreed. Okay. Uh, I started rewatching this show Justified. Did you ever see it? No. Okay. This Timothy like- Oliphant? Yeah, there's like not a lot of good TV. So I started watching it again. Is it worth it? I never saw it. I wish Duncan were here. He'd be into this. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. It's from 2010. Does it feel dated? Yeah, they have flip phones. Um, but it's like a crime drama show. I don't know, it's awesome. Can I just say one thing before we wrap? Yeah. I, I, did, I did discuss this on Animal Spirits, but you all are of the age. I saw something on Instagram. It was like mu- uh, music intros from the 80s of like shows we grew up with. And it like, I don't know, I almost made me want to cry. I felt so old and young. It was like growing pains and wonder years. Oh, and yeah. who's the boss? And Charles and Chargers, by the way, is the They weird, don't have shows like, they don't have music like that time. anymore. Charles, uh, Scott Baio was like an au pair or something. Yeah. It was very f-ing weird. I watched all those shows because I was always home alone. Like, Remember TJ on Friday? Yeah. Were you a latchkey kid? Yes, totally. What's latchkey? Like, you don't know where your parents are. They don't know where you are. You That's have a like key a to the house. That's like my generation. A lot of the kids came home from school to them with, a, with a key oh. to get into yeah. the yeah. house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I even course. didn't even use my – I just jumped in the window. Like, I literally didn't even use the door. But are you like my generation or are you – I am I your like generation, you, dude. You are? Yes. So, different strokes? Like, what was yes. your uh, – What was your go-to after school? Facts of life? I mean, I just watched Nickelodeon like 24 Nickelodeon. hours. I watched X-Men. That's Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. uh, all right, my last favorite. I went to see Wu-Tang and Nas last night at Barclays. Oh, my God. You <laughs> you feel some kind of way about that? You well, Nas I love fan cons- or Wu-Tang I fan? love both, and I love concerts. Okay. I think some of, like, the best moments of my life. Really? Concert. First concert? First concert? Yeah. What was it? Yeah. Um, Backstreet Boys. I was oh, my that. gosh. That is so... Um, so I'm cute. going to a <laughs> Pitbull and Enrique concert oh, in a few weeks, fun. which I'm really excited get about. Ready, get ready to dance. <laughs> wow. Uh, the show is great. Nas is 50. What? And his first album he put out, he was like a teenager. And I think he's four years older than me. I took the whole journey with him. Like, I, I got his first album. I've bought every album since. Yes, I still use the word album. I know there's streams now, but whatever. Like, it was really cool to just watch this guy get his flowers on stage. And Wu-Tang, they had every single member. And ODB is dead, but his son comes out now. And he's got the braids, and he does... uh, It was was very... Was was, was Barry Man the next cousin there? Uh, No. (laughs) No. Uh, It was was very cool. Anyway, shout to uh, Nas and Wu-Tang. All right, we're going to wrap up for today. Um... Do we have any uh, anything whoa, whoa, whoa. we need to do here, Nicole? Do where, we, we, where are we going in a couple of weeks? We have to promote something, yeah, yeah. right? We're going to North Carolina, Charlotte. Yeah, so we said this on YouTube the other night. I just want to remind the audience we are doing a live Compound and Friends taping in Charlotte. That'll be Tuesday, November 7th. We have not released official details yet. If you want to be first on the list, send an email to askthecompoundshow at gmail.com. 
John Duncan and Nicole are monitoring that email. Subject line Charlotte. Inbox very aggressively. Put <laughs> subject line Charlotte live and you will be among the first. Uh, tickets will be limited. All proceeds are going to No Kid Hungry, our favorite charity. And we always have a lot of fun when we take the show on the road. So make sure to send us an email if you're going to be in the Charlotte area and you want to hang. All right. Thanks so much to our very special guests, Gunjan Banerjee. Where could people follow you? What's your, uh, other than your byline on Wall Street Journal? I am on Twitter at GunjanJS. And you want lots of DMs? Uh, bring them on. <laughs> okay. That's the DM. It's going to be right. a disaster. Perth Toll. <laughs> what an amazing job on the show today. How do people follow you? I'm also on Twitter, though I don't tweet as much anymore. Good for um, you. Smart. I'm, I'm following your footsteps there. Yeah. Um, the fund site is freedometfs.com. Okay. And that's about it. And where could, where could they follow you, though? Are you a LinkedIn person? I'm a LinkedIn person? Yes, I'm on LinkedIn. What's yeah. your address? LinkedIn. <laughs> where can they send you mail alright hey thanks so much guys for being on the show we really appreciate it thanks so much to the listeners make sure to leave us a rating and review if you had fun that is the best way to tell the algorithm that people similar to you would also enjoy the program please leave us ratings and reviews we love them thank you so much see you next week <laughs>